Read about the Northern Wrestling Federation in the book presented by Russellville.com, The The Pro Pro Wrestling Wrestling Fault, Volume 2. Hear the story of Roger Ruffin, the man who trained Carl Anderson, Anderson, the Monster Abyss, Jordan Clearwater, Chris Harrison, Jillian Hall. Plus 45 other short stories including Jazz, Bobby Eaton, Kamala, Thunder Rosa, Mario Mancini, Scott Casey, PJ Black, Carrie Morton, Sal Renaro, Jeremiah Plunkett, Colby Carino, Bam Bam Malone, and many others. Get your book today at Russellville.com. Russellville. It's where wrestling lives. Are you a fan of pro wrestling, comedy, and combat sports? Then we have the podcast for you, because we cover that and much, much more. Do you like to debate with your friends? Do we have the perfect segment for you? It's the 531, where we take any given subject, break it down to a top five. From there, we debate it down to three, and then into that number one spot. If you want to get a hold of us, find us on our social media. Search Working Fans Podcast on any major social media platform. And if you want to find the podcast, search for us on any major podcast platform as well as YouTube. Working Fans Podcast. We put in the work so you don't have to. Welcome back to episode 178 of the Working Fans Podcast. And today, we may be a week late, but this is our Happy New Year's edition. And to welcome in the new year, I'm talking to the man called Dave, who is busy sharing this link right now, and AJ Strangebrew. And the best way to welcome the year is to say goodbye to last year. But before we do that, Vince McMahon has refused to give us a week off of (laughs) something to talk about. And before we get into it, guys, what are your quick opinions of this Vince situation? And then we'll play our intro. So I guess I have questions I'll pose to you guys. I understood that he had talked about, you know, wanting to lead the board. And at first, the board was fine with some of this, right? They, They told him... You know, some, they, they didn't think him being back of power was a, a good idea necessarily. But now he disappointed himself <laughs> as head of the board of directors because, what, he's got the majority share? You can do that? Yeah, evidently you can just do a coup like that. Not only has he come back, but right. George Barry, all of his right-hand people are back. Three board members were let go today. Right. And apparently Wall Street's loving it because they're up 21% in their stock price today. So here's a question. So as far as we know, he's not coming back to creative. He's not coming back to head the day-to-day operations like on the wrestling side. But – there's nothing stopping him from doing that, is there? No, there's no. nothing. And he's bringing back George Barrios and Michelle Wilson, who were two of his biggest people prior to Nick Khan coming in. Right. The way I'm understanding it is he's inserting himself in so he can sell WWE. I right. think he thinks he's going to command the biggest price. But here's the thing. They said so that he can make changes to make them better to sell. Right. What changes is he going to make to the WWE product well, to make it more appetizing to sell? Sell, and also the uh, TV rights deals are coming up too. You know, I will say this: Vince obviously does have relationships with a lot of these people yeah, that are higher in trouble. <laughs> that's, that's another. He's had those relationships too, but that's where you think a guy like Vince could be an asset. Of course, I'd like to think, yeah, you could be an asset a silent asset like over there and we don't really need you for this right like you can still be a presence and you still have the 81 percent. so to me this feels like a control issue 
This feels like I want to feel more in control. Oh, it's and, Gino, yeah. Right. And also, what's from stopping this guy from doing whatever he wants and, then? <laughs> and let's not forget about the fact we're just ignoring the fact this is a man who took funds. They found him to have taken funds yeah. from the company to pay off women that he had sexual relationships as hush money. He used yeah. money from the company. Millions of dollars. Let's, you know, yes. let's talk about that real quick, too. I know this isn't the combat cast, but we're talking about rich, powerful people doing what they want. Dana White gets caught on footage slapping his wife this week. Out, He apologizes. They apologize. They make no excuses. I get all that. Before, he's about to have the premiere of his new power slap league. You can't make this up. It doesn't get any worse than that on TBS. We don't hear anything about the power slap league. It's like, okay, this is probably not going to happen. It goes quiet. And now, oh, no, it's just been delayed a week. So he's going to do what he wants. Vince is clearly doing what he wants on another level. And what do you do? You just well, not only that, but how much of a hypocrite is Dana White? How oh, many times has Dana White stood in front of people and said, "Oh no, we don't do that." You yeah, are done with fighting. He did fighting. go for that power slap, though. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think he's going to no. get the million dollar prize. Yeah, way to way to set a tone for the league. I didn't know it was and, a mixed. Um, <laughs> I didn't know it was a mixed <laughs> battle of the sexes. <laughs> and he did. I will say this. He did. He said, I make no excuses. He said, I'm the first guy who called people out on that. So yeah, I'll say I, that. But, I give right. him credit, but he's also but, the first people who have punished people for it. Yeah. What's so, your punishment? Who holds him accountable? And just bring yeah. it back to Vince. Who holds Vince accountable? <laughs> apparently, apparently no one, because what do you take? A couple months off, and now he's back as the head of, of the freaking board? Well, I'll tell you honestly, I'm going to hold him accountable because I planned on watching SmackDown tonight, but with this yeah. news, fuck that. Like, because w- I think there's a meeting at 3.30 this afternoon, yeah. I read, yeah. for WWE employees. If it is anything about Vince coming back, I'm good with WWE for yeah. Because, no. like, it's kind of ridiculous. Like, how does he come back? And just well, it, away it puts us it's in a tough spot. We're getting away with things. For those of us that cover wrestling like we do, it puts us in a tough spot because ethically, I don't want to watch the product if he's back in charge. But on another standpoint, we have to cover him actually being there like we're doing right now. I'm a goddamn broadcast journalist. <laughs> I got to admit, my ethics are a little bit with a constant power slap, but that is a joke. That went over like a lead balloon. Let's play our intro, and then we'll get on with the rest. Thank you, Randy. I had a feeling. I didn't even have a feeling, but I should have known that my audio was off. Oh, oh, Joe, your audio is off. I didn't notice, honestly. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I have a feeling me and Dave got a little bit more work to do later. But, guys, we are back for 2023 in the Working Fans Podcast. Before we start yes. off, how were your holidays, guys? Holidays were good, man. Chaotic, you know, a lot of running around, different houses and stuff. Glad to, uh, I can't say we took a time off. I mean, I know we gave AJ a couple weeks off. <laughs> we punished him. AJ, we don't need you, brother. But <laughs> we were still busy. I would have rather been doing stuff. I don't like people, don't really overly care for holidays. I'd rather be here live and in Technicolor. Well, sounds like AJ loved hanging out with his wife. But what we love talking about <laughs> is the 2022 year-end awards and guys we have male wrestler of the year female wrestler of the year, match of the year tag team of the year faction of the 
Randy asking the hard hitting questions. AJ, how's the wife? Has she healed from surgery? Wife's doing great. She's back at work, hence me being here on the podcast. <laughs> so things are things are going well. She's she's feeling much better. Thank you for the inquiry, Randy. I will send you some Twitter messages and stuff just to keep you updated. Now the big question that's laying in front of us, guys, what was your event of last year? This hold, is on, hold on, hold on. Oh, hold on shit. A I want to say something here real quick. Hold on a second. Because a lot of people contributed to this because this was going to be about just us. But I didn't know, so I asked a few people. So thank you, Jake. Thank you, Zach St. John. Thank you, Mike Flynn. And thank you, Randy Osga, for all contributing. And, Randy, I'm just going to read yours real quick because you're out in the comments. I know, Randy, he'll be like, hey, where's my list, motherfucker? <laughs> so, uh, Randy, also, yeah. Dave, don't forget, thank you, Mrs. St. John, for giving us half of those contributors. <laughs> Randy had John Moxley as male wrestler of the year, female wrestler of the year, Bianca Belair, match of the year, Rollins and Cody in Hell in a Cell, FDR tag of the year, bloodline faction of the year, and AEW New Japan Pro Wrestling, Forbidden Door, as the event of the year, which I believe we're about to talk about, event of the year. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, now, what was your guys' event of the year? Because, honestly, I'm still having a hard time picking this. Actually, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to do it live. I'm going to say Clash at the Castle. I really like the ROH event that we went to. I thought that was a blast. Yeah. It's I'm so funny. I'm a final battle. But I think Clash at the Castle, between their set designs, the matches they had, and that was the first real event side of Vince's creative. I thought it was entertaining and refreshing. Absolutely. I, that, that was mine. Clash of the Castle as well. Mike Flynn, actually, I remember his. He's, he had Clash of the Castle too. It just felt like a different event. It was great them being in Europe. It's. I hope WWE does this more often. I heard they're going to be doing that this year with Money in the Bank too. They'll be going back to the O2 Arena, which has been like, I don't know how many times, since, how many years since they've been in England. It's just awesome they're doing that. And I hope AEW eventually does this stuff, too. I actually agree, unfortunately, that it's Clash of the Castle. I'm hoping that with Vince McMahon back, we'll put an end to this nonsense and <laughs> stop enjoying these events and go back to the WWE of the last couple of years where we don't get events like this. And also on that on that card, and it might be somebody's match here, but Gunther and Sheamus. Oh, Gunther and Sheamus stole the freaking show. Series for the summer, yeah. Yeah, and and it's funny talking about Vince just to bring that back there for a second, and we'll go to our next category. It's so weird, but for me personally, one of the things I keep thinking about, like when Vince comes back, please don't fuck up Gunther. Like you know, like you oh, are going to call him Gunther. I've, I've adapted. I'm okay with it. He's putting on matcher. Hell of a match after hell of a match. Yeah, but with the difference in his with the difference in his physique, I could see Vince being like, "Oh my God, who is this guy?" We never had so, him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I've got a quick question for you guys. Which was the worst January sixth? Vince McMahon coming back or the Clash at the Capitol? <laughs> the Clash at the Capitol. <laughs> like it, 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 it is starting. To, it is starting to appear that January sixth is not going to be a good day going forward. That <laughs> yeah. So if it's your birthday, we're sorry, but we didn't do it to you. <laughs> what we did do to you is bring faction of the year, and I got to go with Bloodline. It's hard to pick anyone else. Yeah, I'm sorry. I wanted. To, you know, I was curious about when did the Challenger blow up? <laughs> As a kid, I actually looked that up. It's actually it's January 28th, by the way. So we are in the month. Yeah, I had a feeling. So with depreciation over time, though, it actually rolls back to January yeah. 6th. Right. Just horrible events that happened this month. I guess I saw that I'm in school. By Google the way, quick. When did it hit dude? I was home. So, I took so the day off from school. Going. I still remember sitting at home. 
Like I'm like fuck. So yeah, it, it's a memory. They, I think that's why. Like when people talk about like I just remember certain events. Yeah. They rolled in the TV. You remember how they used to roll a TV oh, into the classroom? <laughs> they rolled in the TV to the classroom so that we could watch because a teacher was on the ship. Christy McCullough rolled in the TV, and we all literally watched someone die in front Wait, of us. You in Florida? Uh, no, that was actually in Connecticut. So for me, <laughs> the topic we got on. I, uh, I needed a I, I, but they, they literally killed somebody in front of us. It was delightful. Dude, I remember somebody, somebody died on TV in front of you. If anyone stumbles upon this and they don't know, like, know me, and they're probably like, ah, this guy looking for attention. True story. Like, I remember as a kid watching that, and I remember six years old. I wonder if it blows up. <laughs> It fucking did. I couldn't believe it. Oh, so shit. Dave, are you telling us that you booked the Challenger explosion? I did not book it. <laughs> so my dad later to me, later that day, actually said to me when I got home, he's like, yeah, that's what happens when you let a woman drive. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Eddie, well, let's I still that. remember that. Joke to and, and faction of the year, fellas. Faction of the year. Yeah, I got to agree. To me, this isn't really up for discussion even. I mean, I know some people probably put the Blackpool Combat Club and they had to put, they ended up kind of not being the complete group by the end of this. But to me, I mean, we're going to talk about male wrestler of the year too. To me, what we're seeing with the bloodline is really kind of not been heard of since the Four Horsemen Day. And what I'm talking about is I'm talking about consistently on top, not just this year, but beyond and every past year. There are exceptions to this rule, which I'll explain later, but right now they're in the WWE. WWE is the most watched promotion, and the bloodline, it's 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 the group. It's I don't think this is really up for debate, personally. Yeah, I mean, the Blackpool Combat Club was a fun month or two. However, the bloodline has been absolutely incredible. And I know there are going to be people out there that are going to think that Sherman Helmsley's group there in AEW with Big Bill and all those guys is fantastic. To me, that's just ridiculous. The bloodline is where it's at. Why do you call him Sherman Hemsley's group, George Jefferson? I couldn't remember his name, and he's pretty much just acting like Sherman Helmsley, so I just called it. Oh, Nobody's you're talking about Stokely Hathaway? I didn't yes. Even, I did not draw that connection. I remember that it was an S and H, so I just went with the greatest, the greatest human being of the 1980s and 70s, Sherman Helmsley. Fair enough. All right, so that's our faction of the year. Yeah, the next category, tag team of the year. And this one, it's tough because I had to include a Jake rule in this. Yeah. Obviously, I mean, I put the Briscoes on top. Because for what they did without TV time behind them sure. was incredible. And they made appearances in GCW. They kept their name alive. Jake, I'm going to bring up the SAT because we interviewed them at the beginning of the year when they were just starting to make their comeback. The amount of big matches they had this year and where they're going in this current year that we're in is just amazing. We got to know AEW trying to rip off the SAT's gimmick. First, they were the Spanish announced team. Now they're the Spanish announced project. It's kind of dirty how Tony Khan's doing them. Guys, who are your teams of the year? So, First of all, both of those teams are fantastic. However, how do you ignore FTR holding every championship around the globe other than the AEW Tag Team Championships? The absolutely phenomenal year for them. And then also the acclaim, quite frankly, to go from basically being mid-card tag team to where they're at, where they're just blowing up arenas right now, scissoring everyone. Absolutely incredible. 
So I said earlier, there's exceptions to rule. Bloodline are the top faction going right now. WWE obviously is the most watched promotion. WWE made a lot of strides this year. We'll see if that all gets taken away. But the exceptions are when you're a team like FTR, who had already won every title in WWE, then goes on and wins the AEW World Championships, but then this year says, you know what? I'm going to still be on a national stage in AEW, but we're going to win the Ring of Honor tag titles. That's part of that promotion. We're going to go out with the we got with Mexico and win the Triple I Tag Team Championships. We're going to win the IWGP Tag Team Championship, and we're going to put emphasis on tag team wrestling. And to me, when you look at that combined with just the level of matches they had with Joe's pick, the Briscoes there, Jesus Christ. I mean, how do you not pick FTR's Tag Team of the Year? Oh, funny little side note, too. Dax Harwood's got a new podcast out. I'll share this little story for anyone who hasn't listened to the podcast or whatever. I've listened to both of his episodes. They're great. They're great. He talks very open and honestly. He talks about that Briscoe match, and they talk about just throwing legit right hands and just just legit punching each other in the middle of the dog cower match. And he says at one point, he says, Jay's throwing some real live rounds, and he gets me. And I'm like, oh, you motherfucker. And he says, I start throwing back, and he catches me in the eye. And he says, he got me good. He busted my eye. He says, I never felt like a bitch more in my life. Matt Kuhn, former guest of the show, I got a prop, give him props, has a great line in there. I'm paraphrasing, but he basically says, not wanting to throw real legit punches with Jay Briscoe does not make you a bitch. <laughs> so, can't blame him. No, and yeah, if you get a chance, back, listen to that podcast. It's really in the good. Comments, this is New Japan-centric, but Bishamon won honorable mention for me winning the tag titles twice and winning the world tag team. Bishamon is... Got Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi. And I was amazed they could make me care about a Yoshihashi match. But what do you guys make of FTR dropping all their tag titles? I think it's the only way that they're going to end up putting the AEW tag titles on them was by them giving up those other belts. I thought for one point, I actually, until he started having his podcast out, I actually wondered if they were going back to WWE at one point, you know, dropping all the belts. Triple H is in charge. This is before Vince news we got, right? But now listening to his podcast, it's not like he's even really ultimately negative about that stuff. He's just very honest. And you realize, oh, he's really happy, I think, where he is. And I think this is a greater story of them being down in the dumps. How are they going to come back? Everybody's going to shine. And when they do come back, they're going to have the AEW tag titles. Yeah, Yeah, he talks about how they work literally three days a week at the most. And he spends uh, more than half the week with his family. So that's not too bad. So. Yes. Now, next category we're moving on to match of the year. I had to give it Briscoe's versus FTR dog collar match. Mm. Double dog collar match. I, I went in a different direction. I actually gave it to Sheamus and Gunther. That match actually tore it up for me. I love that physical, just beat the crap out of your style. And I love the dog collar match. I did. But there's just something about those two. Maybe it's because of how pale both of them are that you could see every little shot just welt up as it happens. But it was absolutely incredible. It's a tough one. I'm trying to think. I personally... I really like Alexander versus Speedball Mike Bailey on Impact. I really like the first match with the Briscoes and FTR because we got to see that. I got to see that live. The second one, obviously, we got to see live as well. That was the two out of three fall match, I believe, for Ring of Honor, right? Is that the one we went to, guys? Yeah. Yes. Yep. That was the second one. Yeah. So that was awesome, too. The dog collar match, unfortunately, I had spoiled for me. So that always takes a little bit out. For me, obviously, it was just such a great match. But 
were, again, what am I talking about? FTR and the Briscoes, right? You know, there were some great ones. I think Gunther Sheamus was great. I think underrated TV match. I don't know if anyone saw recently Gunther and Ricochet from a few weeks ago. Ricochet, a guy that they're starting to build up again in WWE. Not to a level where I feel like he's going to win a world title, but, you know, it seems like he actually means something. Again, yeah, Ricochet getting the receipt with that, giving a receipt to Gunther there with that chair shot. Jesus. I don't know if anyone had seen that. Yeah. I was like, I looked at it, I'm like, well, I don't think that was supposed to hit. And then I'm watching, I'm like, seeing Gunther sell, like, no, nope, that definitely was supposed to hit. Yeah, seeing him sell and seeing all the people around him all of a sudden, that's not a good sign. Yeah. So for me, my pick will be the original FTR Briscoe's match. That's who I got. That is a solid one. Now, AJ, did you give us your match of the year? I did. Gunther Sheamus. Oh, okay. Sorry, doing a little side work here on the phone. We got multiple things to promote today. That's all right. I'm married. I'm used to people not listening to me. (laughs) (laughs) Now, female wrestler of 2022. I had to go with Bianca Belair. Yeah, there's a reason for that. Oh, she deserves it. (laughs) Here's the thing. People got to, man, I'll tell you what, the people who don't like WWE are going to be mad at us this week, baby. But I got to be honest with you, WWE, and we're going to get to this in a moment too, has done really a better job when it comes to building up their main champions. And what I mean by that is Roman and Belair. Now, the SmackDown women's title has been a little, you know, all over the place. And I wouldn't get saw Rod, but Bianca Belair in particular and Roman have been built up wonderfully in the case of Roman the last few years and Bianca just this past year. She's been killing it. To me, she's been the standard. Great action. Jamie Hayter, I couldn't give it to her yet, but I'm so glad this has been like her year. And if she keeps on the path that she's doing right now, ask me this question again next year. Because yeah, Jamie Hayter's been tearing it up. Bianca Belair is my number two behind Kyrie Sane. What Kyrie Sane has done in Japan all year long, she literally went back over there, rebuilt herself, and then obviously it came to a culmination this year at the beginning of the year with in what's going on over there right now. But just absolutely phenomenal year for her, just tearing it up match after match, and absolutely incredible. Also, I want to throw this out there. She's not one of my favorites because I don't think she's where she needs to be yet. But Jade Cargill, I'm pretty sure, has been the champion all year. She is. But I just don't think she's on the level of those other stars yet. I think she's being protected like Goldberg. She's being protected. Her in-ring work is not where it should be in terms of um, how I word this. I mean, you don't have to be the greatest in-ring worker of all time. And the way she carries herself is good. But I think the matches they put her in are a little too long. Honestly, if you're going to build her up like this, just have her go through. It it exposes her. You need to do more of what Goldberg did, uh, one minute, one and a half minutes. But I just wanted to point out that she has held that belt all year long. She has. You can make a good argument for her. I I wouldn't, you know, I can see why. Yes, you brought up Kyrie doing good in Japan. She won that IWGP Women's Championship. Backley here, as we showed earlier, is a fan of both Bianca and Julia from Stardom. Uh, Guys, we are to the main event. We are talking male wrestler of 2022. I got to go with MJF. I hadn't decided until now. It was kind of a coin flip between him and Roman, but I think him winning the title was a big moment. It's a little sexist, Vince McMahon, to say that this is the main event just because it's the male, but that's fine. We can. Uh, how do you not go with Roman? Mm-hmm. That's uh, h- how. I bet if you're like on other sites and work rate is a thing, I bet you could argue John Moxley. For the year he's had wrestling. But even him, he's gone up and down with the championship. 
I wanted yes. to put Sammy for the amount that he's gotten over in the year Absolutely. without having to do much in ring. But and to if me, you think about you think about Roman, he's also not on TV all the time. No. They hold him back. He has less of a schedule. But damn, Roman is this era's Hulk Hogan. Like that's just it. And I mean by that is like he's a dominant reign of multiple years. And I never thought we would see anything like this again, let alone in WWE. So this is really unprecedented, like the stuff that Roman's doing, the stuff the Bloodline's doing. I think Roman drops it at WrestleMania this year. I just want to bring that up. But honestly, the way it's going, it would not shock me if a year from now <laughs> we're talking about, yeah, who's going to beat Roman Reigns? <laughs> you know? Because we talk about Hogan, it's looking like he's going to go past Hogan and head right to Bruno. <laughs> If that's the case, <laughs> we'll be retired talking about how oh, Roman can real go. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting how they're bringing back those old school reigns. Now, this is our best of 2022 episode. Next week, we will put together a 2023 predictions episode for you, yeah. as well as maybe preview talking about 86. Has there been anything else in wrestling this week that's gotten you guys' attention that you want to talk about? This isn't this week, but I did want to point out real quick that we talk about best shows, stuff like that. I would like to point out, if you have a chance, go back to Working Fans, episode 26 of this year, and you'll see the best show of 2022. Episode 26, huh? Episode 26. It was a phenomenal episode. We talked a lot about wrestling. There were some jokes involved in it. I think you'll genuinely enjoy it. 126. Uh, Sorry. I was like, it was a combat cast 26 AJ. Sorry, 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 sorry. Sorry, 126. Yeah, sorry, 126. Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, let's talk about it real quick since we're all here. 2022 was a year of like huge growth for us. We were able to finally get out to a live wrestling event, no matter how sketchy Pistol Pete's made it. Chad <laughs> Minnis was a a great host there. And he's actually been doing some XPW promotion in New Jersey, getting them bigger. And I mean, we had a great year. We grew our YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. We did, I feel like, more recording hours than ever. You know, we uh-huh. did a little bit of the combat cast, a little bit of the brew cast, but we really kind of returned to what made us. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I think it's just finding stuff that we love to do. And I think the people will catch on. Actually, I'll pose it to it. This is going to be probably more work on producer Joe's lap. Than I'm just throwing it out here, but I'm going to throw it out to AJ because I'll get it. I know I've mentioned to Joe. AJ, what do you think about once a month if we can find a way to do like a, a game show type thing? where maybe we could do trivia against each other or we could do, or maybe even every month it could be a trivia episode, one trivia episode where we just have a different category. I, I think that would be great. I mean, I love a good game show. Who doesn't? Yeah. M- m- I know you'll AWA trivia. I mean, so, something that might be interesting is that maybe some of these fans that write in, we bring one of them in and they try to stump us in trivia. They try to beat us in trivia. Yeah. We've reached a couple goals this year. We are over 800 subscribers and over 350,000 views. That's not too shabby for three local kids who just love wrestling and want to talk about it. Yeah, if you want to talk live numbers, we are up to 839 subscribers on YouTube. So if you haven't subscribed, why aren't you clicking the button? Why aren't you supporting the movement? Get us over that triple zero. <laughs> Yes, we want to be able to bring you more great content. We've collaborated with channels like Daniel Backley's Cage My IQ, 
Dave and I are featured on the New Heights Wrestling Channel. We've had Wei Ting and Andrew Thompson from both the Post channels and Andrew Thompson interviews on. And it was just a great year. We have so much more to bring you. We've already gotten to a level where Dave and Joe have started wearing ties. You know the show's gotten good when people are dressing up for it. Smells like money. Real deal business. And to that district manager at Stop and Shop that said, you got to dress for the job that you want, not for the job you have. I'm still wearing the Stooges tie, bitch. And now we're <laughs> making a name for ourselves. So if I could say fuck Stop and Shop for the end of 2022, let's let's move on to bigger and better things in 2023. And I couldn't have a better crew in you guys and Chevy. So let's yeah, never forget the Chevaroonie. Hey, and never forget him. So guys, we will see you again next week. Uh oh, <laughs> we got Daniel Backley chiming in. Oh, yeah, it looks Chuck. like he yeah, came from the show, Chuck. <laughs> I don't know if you're talking Chuck Winchester from regularly scheduled hostilities. <laughs> Him, no, Yvonne uh, Board, and Josh DeBoard do a great show over there. The, Shout uh, out all the shows we can right now. And uh, guys, make sure you also check out our sister show, The Combat Cast. If you check that out, they're going to deep dive all things slap fighting. Red beans and rice didn't miss <laughs> this stuff, baby. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, combat cast every Tuesday. I think we got an interview cooking up this Tuesday. Let's see as we get close. They like and, to drop uh, it like it's hot. Yeah. All right, guys. Hey, 2023. Let's do it. In the words of the immortal Rick Ross, use a big motherfucker. Big motherfucker. <laughs> All right, everybody. This is the man called Dave, and we are live on the Working Fans Podcast. And today we got a special guest who has been on the independent circuit for a little while right now. He's part of one of the hot tag teams out there in wrestling, Waves and Curls. Ladies and gentlemen, Trayvon Jordan, welcome to the show, man. Thank you so much for having me, Dave. As my man called David said, I am Trayvon Jordan, one half of the Superfly guy, former Northeast Wrestling Heavyweight Champion, former Northeast Wrestling Tag Team Champion. Gave up a whole lot of things this year, but in 2020, we're going to reclaim it all and come back even better than before. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I love the upbeat, positive attitude. I mean, I think that's what anybody needs to succeed and just be healthy in life. And I wanted to start there. You know, so many, I think, podcast interviews, we started off like your fandom. But let's go even a step further than that, if you don't mind. I'm curious. What was it like growing up, Trayvon Jordan? Like, where did you grow up? Like, what was life like? Were you involved in sports? Like, what was it like? For sure. So I grew up in a place called Bridgeport, Connecticut. It's my hometown, and I love where I grew up. I had started out, I didn't play any sports growing up or anything like that. My sister was actually the all-star athlete. Um, she's the 6'5 to my 6'4, which is really funny. But she was the basketball star, and I had always kind of just wanted to work ever since I was young, which is a funny thing. So I got my start like in the working community, garden work, and working with local communities oh. and organizations. That was my bread and butter. I loved just going out and helping communities and spreading word positivity. I helped in Bridgeport open one of the first community gardens inside of what's called a food desert. We didn't have any locally sourced produce or anything like that. So I helped start that up and everything. And then I fell in love with wrestling at a super early age, watching with my older cousins, my great grandmother, uh, God rest her soul. Love you, great Nana. And it just took me by storm and I fell in love with it. And it's a love that hasn't died since. So. That's pretty much the tale of the tape on Trayvon Jordan growing up. Wow, that's awesome, man. You just gave it all. So, family friends, where it led to with wrestling, 
So, and now, well, well, who are some of the people you were into that got, when you started Fall Pro Wrestling? Who were some of those people, like, you know, you were like, okay, that's the ones. For me, it was two people who really just, like, stood out when I was Jeff Hardy. You know, the guy's yeah. jumping off of everything. How could you not love that guy? <laughs> Both extreme daredevil in all of wrestling. I loved watching him do whatever he And John, I mean, he was, to my generation, what is a Hulk Hogan, a Stone Cold Steve Austin, a yeah. Rock. You know, he's the guy of my generation. And I was C-Nation, hustle loyalty, respect through and through. I had the armbands, the hat, the everything. Like, that was my guy. He can do no wrong. And I'm pretty sure my mom had a crush on him, too, for all the times she had to <laughs> on a TV screen. So those two, like, defined my generation. Like, Hardy had this uh, magnetic energy you just couldn't deny that so many people in my age group just love. And Cena, he's the All-American Boy Scout. He's like the Superman of professional wrestling. Like, it's hard for children to hate him because he's so good and so pure. Yeah, yeah. No, that's true. That's so funny. I I wonder too. I'm thinking because this little sidebar here, like I'm I'm from Connecticut as well, and so I'm wondering, like, did you go to some of the Monday Night Raws in Bridgeport? And yeah, I did. Yeah, <laughs> I I, I might have been at some of them, like because uh, we went to uh, we went to a couple of Raws back in the day, that era too, like Jeff Hardy, John Cena, uh, SmackDown Raw, sometimes Mohegan Sun. With yeah, little yeah. There. Yep. Yeah. I went to all of them, so we probably crossed paths before and never even knew it. You know, absolutely, that's so funny, man. How life works. <laughs> Seriously, man, I love going down to the uh, what is it, a total total mortgage arena or something like yeah. that. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the place for me. Like that was my mecca. I loved going. Um, I can't wait to perform there. Like that's one of my biggest goals in wrestling. Is have a match. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you, you're going to break into wrestling at some point on this journey here. You end up breaking in. Was there a moment where you're like, okay, I'm, I'm going to do this? And then once you did it, obviously, like, where did you go? And how did you yeah, get going? Yeah, so that moment for me came out of college. I went to Johnson Wales University, graduated, and was a, a little bit aimless after graduation. Like, I imagine most graduates are, any graduates listen to this. It's going to be okay. You're going to find your way eventually. But I was really stuck, and I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was in, like, a long-term relationship at the time. It ended. Like, oh, college is over? Uh, relationship <laughs> is over? You know, got a little bit of a broken heart, you know, and... As we got to do, we got to find something to be productive. And I gravitated toward the one thing that was constant, was professional. That was always the dream. That was always the goal. But I did what every kid kind of, you know, thinks they have to do. You have to go to college. You have to try to land a high paying job and all these societal pressures that we have cast upon us. I was like, you know what? I'll never know if I don't. So I looked up schools in the place where I was living at the time, Rhode Island, and I found the XWA Wrestling Kingdom, which is where Matt Taven, Mike Bennett, Vinny Marcellia, TKO Ryan were all training at the time. And I was like, you know what? Let me just go and let me just see what it's like. And I remember early on in training, I had always, well, even going back before that, I had always do like the Mr. Perfect. Everyone does the Mr. Perfect yeah. gum spit, you know, mm-hmm. spit it out, smack. Everyone loves doing that as well. And I had always done it, but no one had ever like called it out and knows from. And I was walking into training and I had done the Mr. Perfect gum spit, just like subconsciously. I don't even know why I did it. I just did it. And then Taven looks at me and goes, oh, Mr. Perfect. Okay. And I was like, he, he gets the reference. He gets the thing. And I felt from that moment like I had found the place that I built in. Mm-hmm. And I still feel like that to this. I loved those early training days, training under Taven, t- uh, training under Vin. It was some of the best memories that I'll ever have. 
they really yeah. drill into us, you know, the love for professional wrestling and how to carry yourself in wrestling, in the locker room, outside of the locker room, and really earning, you know, everything, every step of the way. So without those men, I'd be nothing. And I'll tell you what, like, we're going to keep going into this as you get on, but like XWA, uh, Northeast Wrestling, uh, we haven't talked about it, but Beyond Wrestling, all these promotions that you've worked for, you, you know, you're on your journey here. People don't, if they don't know, not is there MJF. Darby Allen, like, bro, there's so much talent that goes through these areas that you get to work with and stuff, too, that they don't understand. It's incredible out here. Yeah, it's new. The New England scene is just such an amazing wrestling scene. And it's always been that. There's a legacy of great competitors who have come through, like the Matt Tavens, the Mike Bennett's, the Brian Malonis's, you know, all these huge names that grew up in this area hone their craft here. You're talking about Beyond and Northeast Wrestling. You got Warbeard Hanson, Heath Lees, you got uh, Christian Casanovas, so many stars who have used these platforms here in the Northeast to further their careers. It's a hotbed, and it's a place where wrestlers want to be and come to learn. So it's a privilege to be here in the Northeast, seriously. Did you get to see some of, I mean, because obviously growing up as a kid, we don't always know everything that's out there, but did you get to go to any independent wrestling shows around the area too? Or I only think I went to one as a kid. Like, I even like, Going into training, I didn't know much about independence. Gotcha. I kind of learned, you know, on the fly. I learned the independence. Um, my mom had brought me to one at like, um, you're from Connecticut, so it's in Bridgeport, yeah. the Sheehan Center, uh, in downtown Bridgeport. And there was like an indie show, and I don't even remember the card. I've been wanting to look it up and find out who <laughs> these stars were because I remember like they were just still like phenomenal competitors to me, and I loved what I was seeing. So that was the small taste I got of indie wrestling. And yeah. now I'm just like, of course, I love it. It's my life, but couldn't live without it. Absolutely. So now you start wrestling. Eventually, you become part of Waves and Curls. Or the early days like? And when did Waves and Curls become a thing? So the early days, going to training, learning, you know, all the necessary steps to becoming a wrestler, visiting shows, setting up, doing ring crew, you know. All the grunt and base level work that you kind of have to do to earn your stake in independent wrestling to prove you're going to be around for a while. JB, my tag partner, he had started a little bit before me and had his debut before me in a little bit. So he was already kind of getting his ball rolling just a bit. But when we had trained together, you know, Taven had kind of saw that we had like the kind of the same style. We had like the same kind of lingo and vernacular. He, we were around the same age. He was a little bit younger. I was a little bit older, but we kind of had that same little swagger to us. And Taylor was like, why don't you guys just, you know, team up? You know, he was really solid. JB still to this day is an amazing in-ring wrestler. And I was always kind of learning a step or two behind. I'll admit that, you know, as a man, I was always a step or two behind. And for me, the public speaking was always my, I had done spoken word poetry going up. I was used to performing in front of crowds. I was fine on the microphone. I love doing microphone work. So he was like, you two can learn together if we right. put together. So one hand washes the other, iron sharpens iron, and that's where we kind of started flirting with the idea. And then we started working together as a tag during training. And then one of our training partners, the big ragu, he had thought of the name Waves and Curls because we were debating for a long time, you know, what are we going to name ourselves? How can we market and package ourselves? He was like, well, took the toothpick out of his mouth, saw the big ragu talks, well, you got waves, you got curls. How about we put it together? Waves and curls. And from that moment, we're like, you know what? That's the one. We're going <laughs> to stick with that through and through. And we had, you know, started doing smaller shows. We did the exit. It doesn't really happen. Anymore. Thursday night throwdowns. Mm -hmm. 
in those the craft. Then we moved more into doing the Limitless Wrestling Dojo shows. We did Northeast Wrestling, our first early matches for Northeast Wrestling. PAPW down in Connecticut, they helped us grow a lot. And then from there, you know, we just kept learning and growing on the fly and becoming, you know, what I consider one of the best tag teams in independent wrestling. Not saying that, you know, as a brag or anything, just as a testament to all the work that we've had to put these last few years just to, you know, establish our name. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. And... PAW, I believe, uh, Paradise Alley Wrestling, right? That's one with uh, yeah. Paul Roma. Paul yeah. Richard Holiday's come out of there from MLW. Yep. Again, going back to how much talent is. And the first time I saw you guys team up on the independent scene, me and a friend of mine who also is part of the podcast, AJ, we went to a Northeast wrestling show. And I, that was the night they had a lot of AEW talent as well. And you guys were wrestling uh, Private Party. Oh, um, yes. Twenty-five. Yes. <laughs> and I remember what was great about it, though, and we could talk a little about this, too, was, and I, again, my first time seeing you guys, so I don't know, it might have been already been part of the, you know, your presentation, but I was really blown away. It felt like a giant party when you're coming out, right? And everybody's having fun. People have never seen you guys. You got the Whitney Houston music playing, you know, and you dance it, and it's just a really good time what was like the best way? How did you guys come up with that presentation? Like, how, And how did it evolve? Was it like that right from the get-go? Or was it like, you know, you just, you get more comfortable and like, all right, let's do this or let's do some of that. Or For sure. So, a funny story back on, I always tell it on podcast. It was for my debut match in Top Rope Promotions, which is another promotion where we got our start at and which really helped us grow. Um, shout out to Ryan Drew, Ryan Wolf, who's another man who helped assist in our training. I was getting ready for my debut match against the Beastmaster deal, rest in peace again. And I just didn't know what to choose for my theme music. There's gotta mm. be something out there, something that matches my personality, you know, kind of brings that happiness, excited vibe. And I was stressing about it and I was at my mom's house. And she was like, don't stress, son. it'll come to you. Just take it easy, breathe a little bit. You're gonna have a great time. It's gonna be fine no matter what. And then a commercial came on for Amazon and it was just a set of white lips and it started singing Whitney Houston, I want to dance with somebody acapella. And then from the acapella, it kicked into the actual music. And when the music hit, my mom starts dancing. She gets up, she starts moving and grooving. And I'm like, well, I'm a reflection of her because she was always a vibrant character growing up. She was always dancing, singing, having a great time. And that kind of helped me develop my own kind of personality growing up. I'm just her amplified times 22 and i was like if this song can transform her from just sitting on the couch into a huge party like in a few seconds i was like i want to bring this energy with me every single place that i go so it was all just sitting at home watching tv with mom and i (laughs) love to say that i bring a piece of her with me every time i wrestle because that song it came from her you know so it's all that love and then the waves and curls experience I think it has grown organically over time, you know, small things change here and there, but we don't like, we don't have like a a set entrance per se, besides the confetti. We got to hit the beat drop on the confetti every time. Can't miss that one. But we just like to feel it when we're in there, when we're out there, you know, we burst through the curtain and try to convey to the crowd every single time we jump through the curtain, I love you. You know, that's the center of everything that we do. It's love, you know? So we want everyone to have a good time. We want them to have a good time with us. We want them to experience whatever they're experiencing amplify it and bring it out. You know, we live so much in society in these little shells, these little bubbles. And we're told, hey, don't get out of that bubble. Stay inside of that. We as Waves and Curls like to say, hey, 
take the coat off, pop the bubble for a second. Let's just have fun and whatever happens. And, right. you know, it's such a beautiful thing that people are able to take that and gravitate with it, have a little party of their own whenever we're out. So it's all about having fun. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And that really comes across, like, when you guys are doing this. Thank you. I'm, I'm excited that you uh, saw the uh, private party match, though. That was still to this day, you know, one of our early on, that was our big test at that point. Mm -hmm. Still. Yeah, that was a really good show, too, for people don't know, too. Like, uh, Cody yeah. Rhodes came out because he was injured, was supposed to be a part of it, but he still came out and, like, talked to the crowd. And yeah. there was just a ton of, like, AEW talent. And this is AEW, I mean, I think that was one of the first shows. Was that coming out of the pandemic or before the pandemic then? I'm trying to remember. Coming out of the pandemic. It was coming out of the pandemic, right? Uh, well, actually, that's an interesting question, too, I guess. We'll bring up. So this whole timeline, when you're starting your career, what about when the pandemic happened? What did you guys do? Were you just whatever you could work or did you keep busy? How did that all come about? Yeah, so the pandemic kind of shut everything down for independent wrestling and shut down the world. Right. What really anchored and helped a lot of performers grow is Up and Limitless Wrestling. They had a series called Pandemic at the Dojo, which eventually turned into the Road Series. And that helped a lot of wrestlers just continue to wrestle and get their reps in. Um, so shout out to Randy Carver, an amazing and phenomenal job doing this for all the wrestlers. He didn't have to, and he put out so much content for people at home too. That was really like one of the main things where people could just go and wrestle during a time where it was uncertain if we'd ever be able to wrestle in front of fans again. He um, really established and made that platform for us to utilize. So I think that's really the number one thing that helped us along during the pandemic. We uh, got to face talents like MSP, like the Sea Stars. I had. Mm -hmm. A singles run, Jalen had unfortunately broke his arm during the season two of the Road Series. So I got to do more singles matches. I faced TJ Crawford. I went on a little bit of a undefeated streak over there, which is really cool. Yeah, that was one of the biggest things was that. And of course, NEW, we had our own studio wars down here as well, too which helped to further us and help us develop in them as well. That's awesome that you guys were able to still work, still get reps, still improve. And yeah, you come out of the pandemic, you're working, like I said, you know, we saw you with Private Party, Northeast Wrestling. Here's another funny little story. I wasn't even going to talk about it, but I, I think it kind of ties in. So okay. we were talking beyond wrestling, and yep. you guys had a show coming up there. They do, oh, God, I'm blanking out. Every week they do it, and they had sponsors. For this particular show and stuff like oh, that. Oh, the um, the discovery you, Yes, right. Yeah. We were looking to sponsor some people on the podcast. You got I got injured the night before at AEW at the dark tapings. Yeah. Oh, are you talking about the T four summit? This was recently. Yeah. Okay, so I think this. Is, I right. Know. Well, when did you when you came down with the injury? It was literally like when the next day it was wrestling. Yeah, wrestling open. Yep. Wrestling yeah. open. That's what it was. Yes. Yeah. So, and they're doing, they're doing like wrestle open, I think every week too, but this is yeah. like one of, and we have a mutual uh, friend, Michelle, who yeah. does uh, stuff with Drew and we had heard about beyond doing the uh, sponsor thing. So I thought, Oh, cool to help out some wrestlers, but also cool for us to get some, you know, publicity too for the podcast. So it's like, Oh, it's just a mutual thing. And I remembered you guys again from Northeast wrestling. I was like, Oh, and then Drew had messaged us literally the day later about an injury and stuff happened. What I'm asking you to sort of those because like, I'm hearing this on the other end. I'm kind of curious. Great moment. You get to be part of AEW. You're on the dark tapings. And then, unfortunately, this injury happens. Like, yeah. what happened? What, what all did this come about? I, You know, I'm just curious. Like, how did the injury take place? Did you know it right away? 
I was I don't go yeah. down. So I had um just landed on my foot coming down with all my weight. You know, one of those freak accidents. You do something a million times, and mm. then one time out of a million, something goes wrong. So all my la- weight landed on my right foot. I crushed my midfoot, something called a Liz Frank injury, which is a pretty serious injury. But, you know, we're already here. I already made the omelet, so I got to eat it up. It was really disheartening at the time just because, you know, we had so much momentum. Again, JB, he broke his arm a year and a half ago. And ever since then, we hit the ground run. We had the match at Private Party. We did so many classic matches with Northeast Wrestling. We had made our way on Limitless Wrestling. We had done AEW work, more AEW. We did our Beyond Wrestling Tag Gauntlet. We started establishing a name for us more throughout the Northeast and more across a lot of different areas in North America. And boom, here comes an injury. You know, it's like the rug gets swept out from under when you're building all this. And it hurt. And it still kind of hurts a little bit. But... You got to pick up the piece and you got to put everything back together. Will it fit back together perfectly? No, but you can build an even a better masterpiece from those broken pieces. You can build up and create a new. So now it's not about becoming the Trayvon Jordan who I was before. It's about discovering who this new Trayvon Jordan is and how I can use that to push forward and, you know, make all these dreams come true, continue to help and inspire everyone who I come across. Absolutely. And it's a unique business, right? Because uh, a really bad injury, say, in a pro football or MMA, that could be the end. But with pro wrestling, yes, there's athleticism, but there's other ways of doing things, too. Look at Stone Cold Steve Austin, right? Uh, right. He, he broke his neck. That's when his career turned around. He started studying people. In the right. Exactly. Exactly. So. And, and I've been studying those. Like, I have a book uh, right to my right, actually. It's Drew McIntyre's Chosen Destiny. Yes. He's someone who everything lined up for him. He was called the Chosen One. The ball was dropped, and he had to come back and reinvent him. Jeff Stone Cold, who broke his neck, you know, as soon as he was getting this huge push. And he came back even stronger. Triple H in 2002, another person who I studied, he came back and conquered the world. Evan Bourne, actually, Matt Seidel, he had the same exact injury that I have right now. And he came back and went on to work for Impact Wrestling, work for AEW, and still doing all these phenomenal things. So if these men could do it, you know, I can do it too. Absolutely. No doubt about it. And another interesting turn of events too, Northeast Wrestling, uh, because they're doing a vacant, Matt Taven, your trainer, ends up winning that championship. Is that kind of a cool moment though? Like, you know, if anyone's going to win it, it's like ends up being the guy who trains you, right? Yeah, it is a really cool moment. It kind of brings everything full circle in his story too. And mine kind of shot. Because his last Northeast Wrestling ended with he wasn't able to champion. And now seven oh. years later, here's his comeback. So he wins the after my end. I'm glad he got to have that reclaimed. For me personally, I love Pops. As we uh, all emotionally call him, he's amazing. But I do still want to be Northeast Wrestling. And come hell or high water, you know, I want to win that title back. If he's still holding it, you know, it'll be great to match off against him. But I'm going to do everything in my power to try to win that title back. Absolutely, man. Now, are there any other aspects of pro wrestling you're interested in, too? Because I feel like this is something you may want to do for the rest of your life. So, like, do you see yourself possibly branching off into, you know, behind the scenes, commenting, anything else, anything you're looking at? Yes, mm-hmm. I do. But I'm, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'd be like a commentator. I don't know if I'd be good with like backstage producing. You know, I'm always open to trying everything. Um, yeah. And- Seeing kind of what develops as I'm in it, you know, that's always my goal. But first and foremost is always try to get, you know, that major contract. And then we'll see what happens from there. Yeah, absolutely. And there anything that, uh, besides, I mean, pro wrestling seems like it's everything right now, other than obviously, you know, you family. I can tell you're a very positive family friend person. 
But like, is there anything else besides wrestling that you're interested to? I got to tell you, like when I talk to you, you're such a positive guy. Like I feel like, man, this guy could be like a motivational speaker. Or, <laughs> Everyone like, says, yeah. says that all the time, man. <laughs> Well, I think other than wrestling, you know, I really stoicism and psychology. That's mm. on I love doing poetry. Um, I haven't written any. I still love going back and releases that I wrote before. Another one of the goals I have this year is to try to get an acting role, something outside of the wrestling world, because I've always been intrigued by, you know, character development and emotional stories and storytelling and uh, musical theater. I love musical theater. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things in the world. I was just watching Hamilton, actually, before we came on to the uh, interview. And big theme park fanatic. I love oh. theme parks. Like, theme parks are my world. I'm going to try to get to five new theme parks this year and ride a bunch of stuff <laughs> once this injury is all said and done with. Universal Studios in Orlando is my second home. I love that. And acting, I mean, I always try to tell people, like, wrestling is, like, some of the best art you can come up with in terms of, like, acting and stuff, too. Like, you're physically... You're doing all the physical. You don't even know a stunt, man. You're the stunt, man. Right. right. Method acting, who are the best wrestlers? The people who live their character, the people who are, you know. So, I mean, I think that's a good natural transition. You know, hopefully maybe you can find something, you know, to do that as well. Make your name. And, again, and it builds up your brand, right? You're just right. doing more things. Yeah. Right. So. Exactly. So, I, I say the same thing to people as well, too. Like, it's wrestling is everything rolled into one. It imitates life it imitates other art forms and it's this big amalgamation of just everything that people love like you can pull someone from like the musical theater world pull someone who loves watching pull someone who loves watching books or watching books reading books pull someone from every different walk of life and there's something in wrestling they could resonate which is super cool to me you know it's like just a big gumbo <laughs> like put it into yeah. a food term you know yeah so, yeah for sure. it's, and it's crazy, like, it, if anyone who's, like, watched wrestling for a long time or studies it, like, it's a crazy, like, how much stuff borrows from pro wrestling yeah. <laughs> and, like, other sports. Dennis Rodman was ahead of the curve a long time ago. He was borrowing. Yeah. <laughs> Even, like, uh, your elections and stuff like that, like, you know, like, candidates, whether we like them or not, I'm like, oh. That's pro wrestling. You're a heel, I, but you're you're going to a certain market, and I see what you're doing here because I've seen yep. this before. <laughs> you can and see then, wrestling in everything. Everything. It's crazy, you know? Everything, dude. Seriously. Yeah. I, I, I always think that there's like that shirt is like pro wrestling. You say uh, pro wrestling isn't real. Well, I say life isn't real. Pro wrestling's just honest about it. <laughs> you know? I've like, never seen that, but that's true. Yeah. Well, I know we, we already said, I mean, what are your goals in the business? I was going to go my question is you want to make it to a main stage at some point. You want to, you want the big contract, I'm sure, whether it's AEW, WWE, you want to be on national TV. So I guess my next question would just be in the immediate future, at least, what's the timetable look like for possible return or where are we at? And, you know, what's the future of 2023 right now? Yeah, so I was told next month, I'm currently six weeks post-injury as of tomorrow, which is great. I go into the doctor on Tuesday, actually, to get see if I get the go-ahead to start walking again. So hopefully that all goes great, and then I get to clear off on physical therapy. It's looking like maybe around, like, May, June-ish, you know? So fingers crossed, you know, get back maybe a little bit sooner. But the key to injury is always, of course, don't rush anything, take yeah. your time. And uh, let it all come to you naturally as it is. A lot of big goals in 2023. Definitely looking back to competing in 2023. And yeah, I got a lot of goals. I got to check off this. A whole heck of a lot. 
Absolutely. And I'd imagine to just getting the go ahead to start walking again is probably going to be a big boost for you because you seem like a guy you want to get out there, just move in, right? Like he says, patience. But yeah, just get- <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to just sit around all day. I got a little bit of independence, but it's going to feel really good to be able to put my foot back on the ground, you know? Yeah. What's called non-weight bearing right now, so I can't put any weight on it whatsoever. So I just have to have it elevated all the time. If I'm in the shower, I have to like put one leg on top of the other. When I'm, you know, doing anything, I have to make sure my foot doesn't hit the ground. So it's gonna be nice to just breathe and have a sigh of relief once I can finally let the foot touch down. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, yeah, it's great though. It sounds like you're still being as active as you can be. Like it sounds like you're still maybe going to the gym doing arms, I guess, and whatever else you can do, right? Yeah, that's it. It's been all upper body and core, which is a godsend because I hate leg day. So I'm I think it's like everything I can. Road Warrior Hawk was famous for like, it's an upper body business. <laughs> it is, baby, it is. You know, I wear long tights too, so no one's going to like just It's <laughs> great. <laughs> Why don't we just end it with this, man? You've been great. Anything you want to promote, whether it's merchandise, your social media. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at Trey Keep Dancing. You can find me on Facebook under Trayvon Jordan. I'm not posting too much nowadays, trying to stay a little outside of the bubble, but I duck my head back in every now and again, updates and stuff like that. You can find me on Pro Wrestling Tees, ProWrestlingTees.com backslash the Trayvon Jordan, T-H-E, Trayvon Jordan. And of course, as I always close every podcast, glad that you were able to listen, have this experience with me. Thank you so much. I love you. I wish you the best of luck in all your endeavors. And I hope that everything turns out for the better of it. And even if it doesn't, the sun always shines after. All right, so that wraps us up for this week. Thank you again for listening to the Working Fans Podcast. So as always, you can find us on Twitter at Fans Working. Our Facebook page is Working Fans Wrestling Pod. We have email where you can reach out to us and let us know what you think also. That's Working Fans Wrestling Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, Working Fans Wrestling underscore pod. And then as always, please continue to listen to us on Anchor.fm, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, all your major platforms. If you're following us on Apple Podcasts, which we are also on now, and YouTube, please make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It helps us bring you these podcasts where we get to talk to you and talk with you every week. 